We've got some good news here on the PCS podcast. A little bit of reaction, but mostly good news. Welcome back, PCS Podcast. Ian Rodriguez here, streaming live from the Honda Civic Studio. Riverside, California is my locale this morning. Afternoon, actually. Uh, so, I sent an email to Canada's podcast today to give him another positive input about Wonka. And I'm going to start with Canada. Kind of still attacking Wonka. Attacking, attacking, attacking. A game he touted, a game he hyped, but now is, is attacking. So I was listening to a show today, and he had a show posted yesterday about the streams that are happening today. Today there will be streams by Dead Flip and by Flipping Out Pinball Stream. So you can catch that on Twitch this evening. If you're in Pacific Standard Time, it's going to be 5 o'clock, I think 6 o'clock for the uh, Dead Flip one. Anyway, a couple big-time streams for Wonka today. Um, and the common complaint is, oh, there's a lack of assets. Um, I get that. But I don't necessarily agree. So, I can't indulge the whole, I guess, the rhetoric about Wonka being incomplete. I can't indulge it. I think that Wonka is, it is what it is. It was coded the way it was coded. It doesn't follow the movie. And when I wrote Kaneda an email today, I said to him in the final conclusion, I said, look, I spend my time enjoying this game. You can find fault with every game, and you can really let it ruin your experience. Or you can find fault, say, you know, it is what it is. Maybe they'll fix it, maybe they won't. But I'm going to sit here and enjoy the good parts of this game. And this game has a lot of good parts. I was actually posting today on Pinside about Metallica versus Deadpool. So it was a forum topic, you know, hey, what do you think is better? And why? And I replied, Metallica is better. And the reason is, is because the playfield is superior. The design is superior. It is exceptional. It is one of the best playfield designs ever. Probably Borg's best, I can say that. One of the best Stearns ever designed and made. And the art's amazing too, but I said this. The most important thing is playfield design. That's why Metallica beats Deadpool. Deadpool is inferior in design because of many factors, one of which it's hard to develop flow, it's hard to hit the most important ramp in the game, there's a, not a lot of, I, I guess, flow again. The ramps are too early. They're too too close to the flippers. Um, but it's still a great game. It's just not as great as Metallica. Metallica has the perfect dimensions and the perfect geometry. It is a great, exceptional playfield design. So let's go to Wonka. What does that mean? The playfield is the thing. The playfield is the thing for pinball. If your playfield's terrible and it's clunky and doesn't have any flow and the shots are almost impossible or they're too tight or they're not tight enough and they're just plain old too easy, then the game itself will suffer greatly. If the playfield is perfect and exceptional and rises above the rest of the playfield's design in the past decade, then the game will rise above the last 10 games designed or the last decade of games put out by any manufacturer. So... Let's get down to the playfield with Wonka. I think it's almost perfect. I really do. I think it's literally almost perfect. Why? Every shot is makeable. Based on your skill level, of course. But the hardest shots are still makeable and regularly makeable if you're a, fr if you're a pretty good player. You can be average and still do pretty well on this playfield. 
So for that reason, the playfield design and the number of shots that he squeezes onto Wonka's playfield is miraculous. Go check it out. Literally, there are, I believe, three shots for the upper left flipper, three shots for the upper right flipper, and like, let's see, one, two, at least four shots for each of the lower flippers. So there's just a plethora of shots, okay? That's why the playfield design is so good. It, it is not a drain machine. You need to learn how to nudge this game. So, um, I mean, again, the playfield's perfect. I had my friend Scott over yesterday. Scott from, uh, in Menifee here, where, where we live. He came over and saw the game, and he said, This game is pure Lawler fun. Pure Lawler fun. I totally agree with them. Thank you for coming over, Scott. Hope you're listening. Um, I hope you're listening also, Robbie. Congratulations to my friend Robbie. Just had his first child, a baby girl named Summer Elizabeth. Uh, congratulations, Robbie. You're about to venture on the most impressive and amazing journey of your life, which is parenthood. So, respect and love going out to you and your family. And uh, congratulations again. I can't say it enough. Being a dad is the best experience of any of, of my life. It, it just flat out is. It's the best. Nothing beats being a father. So, congrats. So, moving on. All right, so my friend Pete was talking about Wonka and saying he's going to go play it. And he, oh, he wants to buy Dialed In because everybody's going to be selling those in favor of Wonka, which I agree. There are many on the market right now, many Dialed Ins. And I said, look, man, what are you doing? Why not just spend the extra 1500 bucks and buy the Wonka? It is that, that much better of a game. I do still like Dialed In a lot. I wouldn't mind having it in my collection. But for the money, 7500 bucks. Wonka is a deal. It is a deal. It is such a good game. So much fun. So Scott and I were playing Wonka in my garage yesterday, and I said, hey, let's play. I'll show you the game a little bit. I didn't expect to show him the Wonka Vader multiball, the Oompa Loompa Odyssey, and the Kid multiball all in one game. So magically, as soon as he got there, the game started opening up. And it was just a pleasure to let him see that. So I'm grateful for that. I got kind of lucky. Had a high-scoring game with a lot of fun modes opening up, and I uh, showed him a lot. So... All right, let's stop talking about Wonka for a minute. Let's transition. So I have some topics today I'd like to talk about. Um, the first is, and it can relate to the new games, including Wonka, but the first one I'd like to talk about is multiball. So we all have games, and we've all played games where there's multiballs, and we all enjoy them. They're a fun mode. They're a fun aspect of any pinball machine. They are a must-have for any game, really. Multiball is what makes a lot of pinball a lot of fun. So I was playing on location at Lake Alice, and I was playing a game called Twister by uh, Sega. Um, another another occasion I was playing a game called X-Files by Sega, and we're going to stick to Sega here, Lost in Space, and then finally Viper Night Driving. I used to own Viper Night Driving, so I, I can speak to this game a little better. Anyway, I played a lot of Twister on location. I played a Lost in Space and, and uh, X-Files at the Museum of Pinball, and I played Viper in my garage. Here's the thing that all those old Sega games have in common, and I'm not sure what to think about it. You can reply and tell me what you think. S-P-F-L-I-R-O-D at yahoo.com if you'd like. I'll talk about your response. I'll bring up the email. But anyway, let me tell you this. On the Sega games of that era, the multiballs are super easy to reach. Super easy to reach. Like, literally on Twister, it's locked two balls without any, without any requisite shot, and you got a multiball. On Lost in Space, I was getting multi-ball for like 80% of my game. I was in multi-ball. On Viper Night Driving, you lock two balls in the front of the playfield before the middle ramp, and you're in multi-ball. On X-Files, you 
open the cabinet and you lock one ball or two balls and you got a multi-ball. It's really, really easy. Easier than any Williams game to get a multi-ball, for sure. Easier than any Stern game, by far. And I think that the reason is because there's just less required shots to reach it. So, what are my thoughts about it? I, I mean, it's a little too easy to reach multi-ball. I think that, that what Sega was doing in that time was trying to give you something easy to reach on location so you'd put another quarter in. I get that. And the funny thing is, is now Stern is doing it with Munsters. Stern did it with Munsters. I think they did it with Deadpool also. I won't say that they did it with Maiden. But I think Deadpool and Munsters, you can reach multi-ball in like uh, three shots. Three shots maybe? Four at the most. Obviously the Herman multi-ball is the quick one. And then the little Deadpool multi-ball on Deadpool is the quick one there. There is no super quick multi-ball on Maiden except for starting a mode and hoping it's a multi-ball. So Maiden doesn't really fall within that category. But is it too much of a good thing? I mean, I, I keep thinking, great, it's fun, it's multi-ball. But when you're in multi-ball on these Sega games for like 80% of the game, it almost just feels like you're in ball save mode a lot of the time and you're just trying to flip. You're not target shooting, you're not, you're not sharp shooting, you are just literally keeping the balls alive, which is kind of every one of our you know slap save multi-ball techniques who are not professional pinball players anyway. So that's my thing. I just like, hey, keep them alive, man. You're going to hit something. Hit jackpots, hit whatever. So uh, I guess my conclusion was I think it might be too much of a good thing. And I kind of like when the manufacturers and designers and coders temper down the, the easiness and the ease with which you can reach a multi-ball. I appreciate it. So on Maiden, you got to start a battle to get a multi-ball. And it's not always a multi-ball if it is a mode. So not all modes are multi-balls. That's cool. You can get mummy multi-ball, but that requires you to at least complete two shots then lock a ball, then hit spell mummy, and then unlock the ball again. So that's literally like nine shots on point to reach multi. So that's my thought. I just think that Maiden did it right. Deadpool a little too easy. Monsters a little too easy. All Almost all those Sega games a little too easy. It's just too much of a good thing. Let the player work for the multi-ball. Let the player figure out how to get it and not make three shots to get a multi-ball. Especially one that's as cool as the one in Twister. The Twister multi-ball is one of the coolest multi-balls in pinball. It's a rotating disc. The balls are dumped on the magnetic rotating disc from above on a wireform ramp. And the thing starts spinning like a Twister. Perfect integration of the theme. Really neat aspect of the game. And then once and for all, the magnet releases them and they swirl about and they literally spin all around the playfield. You gotta save them. It's really fun, really action-packed. Twister is a highly unrated game, or underrated game, excuse me. All right, so next, I wanted to talk about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Now, everybody's saying it's the best game that Spooky's released. I agree. It's going to sell 500, 500 for sure. They will have no problem moving all of those. But what's so impressive about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle? I saw the deep dive on TWIP, and the pictures were impressive and amazing. I've seen one in person at the Museum of Pinball. It's a beautiful machine. The art is fantastic. But what is the best part about the game? It is the sculpts, everybody. The sculpts. The castle is built by in plastic sculpts, and it literally is is scattered throughout the playfield. There are archways, there is paths, there is walls. There there are just amazing castle-like sculpts, like stone wall, and it looks brilliant. And I really appreciate the effort and the workmanship that that went into that, and the thought process that went into that was to create the world under glass, create the sculpts to make it feel like you're in the castle. Brilliant job. A lot of games do not do that now because it's just too cost prohibitive, and that's a shame. Who did this recently? 
Cosmic Carnival. Go look at the pictures. The clown faces are uh, the faces, excuse me, are amazing. The clown scopes are brilliant. They are gate, they are gateways to the ramps. So you're shooting it through the mouths into the ramps. It's brilliant. It's interactive. It's fun. It looks good. It fits the theme. I think Cosmic did a really good job of creating the what's the word? It's kind of like the key to like grabbing attention. Like they seized your attention with those clown faces. The art and the clown faces seize everybody's attention and you want to play it. You want to shoot the ball into the clown's mouth up the ramp and see what happens next. So it's an immediate kind of grab for the customer. Whitewater, scopes on that are amazing. World Under Glass. Canada mentioned it earlier in his podcast day saying he was talking about the upper play field, but I'm, I'm talking about the scopes. The actual scopes on that game are brilliant. And even the ramp is all, you know, bumpy and fun and, and it kind of rides a roller coaster up and down. But the rocks on that game are phenomenal. It's a brilliant set of plastic scopes to give you the feeling that you're inside of like a river in the middle of the Colorado River, dashing through the water with these rocks surrounding you. It's brilliant. What about Wizard of Oz? Have you played that game? Brilliant scopes. The Witch was kind of a fail, but look at the upper play field with the castle. I think it's brilliant. It looks good. It's a lot like ACNC. It looks really, really well done, well thought out. I appreciate the workmanship. I appreciate the fact that they went through a, a, I guess they went into the extra cost. They incurred it because they know it would make the game better. You don't need the sculpts, but adding it gives that attitude of, okay, I'm inside of a castle now, or I'm in the world that they want to put me in. And it's a good feeling. I think when they design games with sculpts that are in the path of the ball during gameplay, it's a bonus. When, you're, when your ball is interacting with the sculpts in some way, either entering them or exiting them, or being brought into them somehow or some way via upper playfield or VUK, it's phenomenal. And I really appreciate that thought process and design of, of any game with really good sculpts. I think it makes people want to play it because it's more of an experience, sort of a sort of a casting or, or, or a kind of projection of, you, of yourself into the playfield. It feels good. It feels good to play games that have that sort of interactivity. So. You, uh, let's see, I have some other notes here. Pinball podcast. So, you know, I've, I've been looking back on some old episodes, and the one podcast I've been listening to is called The Pinball Podcast. It's a really old pinball podcast. It's really good. The early episodes are really good. They're really long. They're really sort of just conversational, but I really appreciate what they did. Their new stuff, I'm not so sure about. I've been listening to some of their modern episodes, and it's they changed hosts big time. They lost their best voice. Their best voice was Don. And they lost him, and somehow, I don't know the circumstances, but he's gone, and now they got this guy and this girl on there. I'm not saying the material's bad, but I'm just saying that the actual attitude of the show has changed. So their their old stuff is great, though. Go check them out. The Pinball Podcast on your, wherever you find your podcast. All right, so I've got some more notes, but they're going to have to wait till either later today or tomorrow. I've got some firsts to talk about. I cannot wait. But in the meantime, go watch that Wonka stream tonight. Put your order in for Wonka Standard now. And, um, you know, I, I will sign off on that. Don't forget to play some more pinball tonight. Catch those streams. Have a great Monday, everybody. And don't forget, play more pinball. There's a pin-